Obviously, I've shared my story, but now it's time to hear a couple of yours. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Jesus Unfollower, the podcast. This is your host, Kevin Crow, a.k.a. No nickname, because I can't can't think of anything. But welcome back to the podcast. We're here. We're doing this damn thing. I made it through Easter without getting any candy. Obviously, I don't really want to go to the store if I can avoid it. So, But I went to the store yesterday, and I did not get any candy, even though it was on sale. Didn't do it. And then, actually, I bought a bunch of healthy groceries. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better this week. I'm going to eat healthier because I've been eating like absolute shit. I've just been putting a pizza in the oven. And then when it's done, take it out, let it cool off, and then fold it in half, and then fold it in half again, and then shove it right in my gullet because that's just how I operate. But I actually, I bought some fruits and vegetables and not as much crap yesterday at the store. No candy. And then today my dad calls me and I said, hey, what's going on? And he said, I'm in your driveway. And I walked outside and he had jelly beans, Sour Patch Kids, and Reese's eggs. And he put them on my car. So something happens every time I'm like, okay, today I start eating healthier. I was planning out, okay, this is what I'm going to do for breakfast. This is what I'm going to do for lunch every day. And then literally somebody comes and sets candy on my car. That's just how it goes. That's how it's always been. I'm going to start eating healthier and somebody like shoves a cake down my throat, you know. But I'm going to try to not eat all the candy today. You know, space it out a little bit. Make it last. True meaning of Easter. Shitload of candy. So... For today's episode, I am going to read a couple of your stories. Since I've shared my story here, I've had some people send me emails or um, DM me. <clears throat> that was a voice crack. I think I'm tw- am I older than 12? I think I'm older than 12. This episode is sponsored by Bubbly Water. It's actually not. But I've had people email me and DM me their stories, and I thought it would be good if I share them here. That way, if you relate to their story more than you relate to mine, then cool. Or if you if you take something from it and know that people are going through have gone through some shit, and you're not alone if you're doing the same. The first one I'm going to read is from James. I'm James. I'm 17, and I live in Cardiff, the capital of Wales in the UK. I've written this solely to help other people in similar situations. To start with, I'm actually adopted, so I don't know my birth family's beliefs, but my adopted family are Baptists. I grew up in a Christian family, not your stereotypical kind of fundamentalist Christian family, but more going to church every Sunday and learning about Jesus, God, and the Bible. They never forced anything onto me and have been amazing parents. Being adopted will, of course, come with some emotional and behavioral issues, which will come into play later on in this testimony. It was around summer of 2018 that I first gave my life to Jesus at a Christian camp called Soul Survivor. This was very much a place where people would fall onto the floor and start shaking, speaking in tongues, laughing and crying, 
It was quite scary, to be honest. I gave my life to Jesus, then started getting into people like Ray Comfort, known as the Banana Man from Living Waters, then realized I was a false convert, and it wasn't about giving your life to Jesus or accepting Jesus into your heart. It was to repent and put your trust in Jesus. Over time, as my faith grew and developed, I became more of a fundamentalist, getting into deep doctrines and creationism. It was at New Year, I was looking at some anti-answers in Genesis stuff, saying they preach a false gospel. I got so scared when coming home from a New Year's party that I rushed upstairs to ask God to forgive me and to save me. I did this many, many times. I was so terrified and anxious. I was literally shaking and crying. I asked some people in my church if answers in Genesis slash Living Waters preached a correct gospel, and they did, so I got back into them. I also started getting into Calvinism. I held this doctrine for a while and was tutored by a friend in the church who I would have deep conversations with all the time. I realized that I wasn't preaching the gospel and that I needed to, as it's something Jesus commanded. But having autism, which comes with social anxiety, that was no easy job. I handed out Living Waters gospel tracts to people because I was too scared to speak. Even that caused me anxiety, enough to make me physically ill with headaches. I had a lot of nights where I would struggle to get to sleep, or all I would do is sleep because I was so scared and terrified. So sleeping was a way to just shut off from the world. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Matthew seven twenty one through 23. This verse is the one that was the scariest to me because my life has been full of rejection, like failing friendships and being parted from my birth mom. It was like if Jesus rejected me, what would be the point? It's like my life is full of rejection. Another thing was because I had a very strong emotional connection to my adoptive mom, I was so scared that she was going to go to hell. I was so terrified she was a false convert. All this filled me with fear. This verse is something that caused me to have many sleepless nights. I started to develop OCD, which started out religiously, and it grew and grew. It then came to the point I was terrified because I was having all these terrifying and scary thoughts, which made me, in turn, drop Calvinistic theology. Because that means what was happening to me, pretty much in some areas of Calvinism, was predetermined. It also meant my adoptive mom's brain hemorrhage, which she nearly died from, was also predetermined, and that was something I could never understand. How could a loving God plan that? So I was done with it. I started to get into provisionism, which basically meant that all Christ's work was done so that we could enter into as a free gift rather than pick and choose doctrine I'd held where God would select people. I started to get into provisionism, which basically meant that all Christ's work was done so that we could enter into heaven as a free gift rather than pick and choose doctrine I'd held to where God would select people. Eventually, I realized that Christianity was emotionally and physically draining me and was making me mentally ill, so I left the faith. And since then, even though my life isn't perfect because of my OCD, I feel better for leaving the faith because it was making me extremely scared and nervous. One thing that was very confusing for me, especially having an autistic brain, was the thousands of different denominations that exist. Why can't people... Just hold on to the same beliefs if this is so important, especially as it's something to do with eternal salvation. Why can't Christianity be consistent? As there are even different beliefs on how you're saved. 
So I was scared I'd pick the wrong doctrine and go to hell. Religions like Christianity use scare tactics like if you don't repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus, you'll burn in hell for eternity. This is why a lot of people struggle to leave Christianity because the fear of hell and judgment holds you down. It was like being shoved into the corner of a square room with no way to escape. Now I would consider myself agnostic atheist. I really don't know, to be honest. Thanks a lot, James. I really do appreciate you sharing that. And it's funny that you say that you use that verse in Matthew because that's one of the main reasons that I got saved to begin with was the play that the church that I was going to did a play and that was one of the main verses and it was told in a very scary voice like, you know, depart from me. I never knew you with all the flashing lights and stuff. But yeah, it was scare tactics, man. So I totally get it. And thank you for your honesty and hopefully you find some peace with where you're at now and just, you know, keep trying to figure it out, keep learning and you don't have to label yourself really. I call myself an atheist, but for years I didn't use that term, not really until last year. I would just say I, I didn't really know or I was a non-believer or agnostic or whatever, but so you don't really have to label yourself. None of us do. Just so you know. Uh, the next story that I'm going to read comes from AP. I don't know if she wants me to say her name, so I'm just going to say AP. I was raised in a Southern Baptist megachurch. I was baptized three times and saved about a million. I was in every creepy Christmas and Easter program and was forced to sing in the choir. My dad lost his job and was out of work for two years. I watched my parents give away the little that we had to the church. I left church in 1992 and I thought I was done. I'd experienced many strange and upsetting things at church. I felt like I broke out of prison. In 2011, an enormous amount of guilt filled me over leaving religion. Things in my life were tough. I was struggling financially and my job was very difficult. I was working in a very poor school and work was my life. I was so immersed in these children's lives and helping them. My personal life was non-existent. I'm a hardcore empath and I love helping people. I wanted to help people more than taking care of myself. That doesn't work well. The school I was teaching in closed and I lost my job. I had major depression and anxiety. I was told by those around me that God was trying to teach me a lesson and get my attention. I applied for many jobs and ended up in a private Methodist school. I'd always taught in public schools, and this was a huge change for me. I started to listen to the Christians around me telling me it was a sign for me to accept this job. It was easy to believe this because I'd thought this way most of my life. In order to get the job, I had to show proof of membership at a church. I was also asked to give my testimony in the interview. I quickly joined an Episcopal church that was known for being ultra-liberal. In my mind, I thought maybe what my family was telling me was true. Maybe I had received a message from God to go back. Maybe he was making my life hell to get my attention. I started confirmation classes and had a rough time. I was assigned a deacon that I could talk to and discuss my doubts with at the church. He was also an ex-Southern Baptist, so I felt like this was another sign. As we talked, I began to feel uncomfortable. The topic would turn to personal questions about my life. I always redirected the conversation. About a month later... He admitted to me that he was sleeping with prostitutes and was attracted to me. I left the church immediately. He was the first person connected to a church that I trusted in over 20 years. It truly messed me up in so many ways. My trust in anyone was gone again. Meanwhile, at my new job, I was experiencing a very catty and dark atmosphere at work. 
I've always been careful about keeping my personal life to myself with coworkers. I was not accepted because I have never been married and do not have kids. I was pounded with questions about my life. This had never happened to me at my job, at any job. I started having panic attacks and I began to hate myself. I would make excuses for my life to my coworkers instead of being okay with myself like I'd been in previous jobs. I felt like an outsider and I was. Every time we would go to a chapel service at the school, I would listen to my coworkers and administrators speak about their spiritual lives. These were the same people that gossiped about me not fitting in with them. Everything they said about me came back around to me. I stayed above it and I ignored it. It was so painful. I was ashamed of myself and I felt like I was being punished. I'd always prided myself in being an awesome teacher and no longer felt that way. I stayed because I had to have a job. I spent three miserable years trying to be someone that I'm not. My third year at the school was the most miserable year of my life. I'd applied to tons of other jobs and had no way out. The parents at the school really liked me. It was one, the one thing I had going for me. I decided to move up a grade with the class I'd taught for a year. Many parents requested that I teach their child again. Around Christmas time, there was a huge rumor going around the school about a child's family that I was teaching. I found it funny that the entire school knew but me. There was constant drama at this school. Teachers and administrators would receive confidential information about families, and they would immediately repeat it in the form of a prayer request. Teachers and administrators in public schools lose their jobs for breaking confidentiality and can be sued. When I got the news about what was being said, I was horrified. A longtime teacher at our school was having an affair with a parent. She was married and had three children. She and her husband were well-known at the school and in the community. She was having an affair with the father of a child in my class. He was married with two children. That was being discussed very openly at the school. Jokes were being made along with prayer requests. The mother of the child in my class had let me know that he was leaving them and to be extra patient with their child. I never told anyone about this conversation. Teachers are supposed to be 100% confidential in these matters. I made an appointment to meet with the principal and vice principal. I stated my concerns for the situation and voiced my disappointment that anyone would repeat this information. He told me that I would find this at any school anywhere, and that he can't control what people repeat. I asked him if he thought God would be okay with the way it was being handled. The teacher having the affair still had her job and was not going to lose her job. The teacher had been seen in public with her lover. It was just a known fact that this was happening. I started to think about the school contract that I signed and having to join a church. The contract stated that we were to act in a godly manner in all affairs. This meant on and off campus. I thought about how I wasn't true to myself working there and that I was living a false life. I told him if this is what Christianity was about, that I wanted nothing to do with it. They couldn't see each other's hypocrisy because they were all in it together. Sheeples. Before that school year ended, something horrible happened to me. I had to inform the administrators about it because I was going to be absent for a few days. They showed their concern in our meeting and prayed with me. I never heard a word from them during my last two months. They were aware that I'd just been through something very traumatic and never reached out. I was let go at the end of the year. Several teachers texted trying to get the story about why I left. I decided to let them believe the gossip they would hear from administration. I've never seen so many people find joy in, in others hurt. They thrived on other people's lives being destroyed. The teacher that had the affair is still employed there. I stood up for what was right. I'm so grateful for this experience because it made me proud of who I am. I feel like my morals, kindness to others, and peace of mind are stronger than ever by leaving religion.
I've spent years of my life in therapy, trying to be okay with leaving it. I think this situation showed me that I was right all along to trust myself and realize that I got myself through all this. The story is only one of many that assures me I made the right decision to leave. My life has peace now. Thank you for sharing your story. A couple things stand out to me there. Um, One being that she was out of church for so long and then went back and then her first encounter with someone was just as much of a letdown as, as church was before. And then the second thing is just all the gossip and stuff. That's how my churches were really, really clicky. And I'm sure I was part of one of those cliques for a time, you know, but that's just the way that churches are, especially in the South. It just feels like all it is is gossip masked as prayer requests. They just want to know what's going on in your life so they can pray about it, AKA let everybody else know what's going on. I just wanted to share a couple stories today and I appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you have any stories that you would like to share with me, you can email them to me at uh, kevin at jesusunfollower.com and I will read them over. I love hearing other people's stories because being as there are so many different denominations of Christianity, and you don't even have to be a Christian. If you're from a different religion, please feel free to send me your stories too. But there are just so many different religions and different versions of religions different ways that churches conduct themselves, that all these stories are so much different and can hopefully help somebody who might be struggling or going through the same sort of thing. Instead of reading a shitty Bible verse today, I'm going to recommend that you go check out the Friendly Atheist YouTube channel today. He's uh, posted about Genesis 6, about Noah and the flood, so go watch that. It's got plenty of shitty Bible verses in it. Until next time, let logic and reason guide the way. Peace out.